What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC card going down tomorrow night, Saturday, July 17, 2021, headlined by Tiago Moises versus Islam Mahachev. This 11-fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. And lastly, before we get into this week's car, we're just going to do a quick recap of last week's event, the UFC 264 pay-per-view. I predicted 7 out of 12 fights correctly on the podcast, but sadly lost 6.45 units on official track bets. Every single track bet I made lost. That's got to be a record of some sort. I think I lost like 10 out of 10 bets on that card. So it was a terrible week of bets. Hopefully we can rebound this week and get back in the profit. And we already actually have three track bets up up on my Bet MMA Tips website. And I'll definitely add more in the next 24 hours before the card starts as usual. So bad week last week in terms of bets. Hope you all didn't lose too much money tailing those picks. But we're going to get right back on track this week, I feel like, with this 11-fight card we got. The first fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Rodrigo Nascimento as the minus 365 favorite taking on Alan Badeau as the plus 300 underdog. This is a really low-level heavyweight fight to start the card, and honestly, the line is probably pretty accurate because Nascimento should be very likely to take down Badeau here and do whatever he wants to him on the mat. Badeau is a really bad defensive grappler. We've seen him taken down. We've seen him choked out. And Badeau also has this terrible habit of attempting judo throws in the clinch, and he often ends in bad positions. He's probably going to do that here. And even when Badeau is on the feet, he's not even the better striker than Nascimento, in my opinion. Badeau just throws a lot of spinning kicks and a lot of ineffective strikes, wasting energy. And I think it's very likely that Nascimento is just going to close the distance, take him down immediately. But even if this fight stays in the striking, I think that Nascimento is probably going to be able to outstrike Badeau by just being the more competent fighter and having the better overall MMA skill. But in all likelihood, Nascimento is going to take this fight to the ground and finish Badeau however he wants to. Probably submission is the most likely way, but a ground and pound TKO is not out of the question either. So my pick for this one is going to be Nascimento to outgrapple Badeau to finding a ground finish, likely a submission. And I think I'm going to go with submission round two as my official pick for Nascimento. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Francisco Figueredo as the minus 280 favorite taking on Malcolm Gordon as the plus 240 underdog. Another low-level fight, in my opinion. Both these guys are pretty bad fighters, but Figueredo is the justified favorite. Malcolm Gordon really isn't good at any aspect of MMA. The guy gets rocked in every single one of his fights. Maybe one of the most fragile fighters in UFC MMA history that I've ever seen. And you can never really count on Gordon because the guy just cannot take a punch. He gets hurt badly in every single one of his fights. And even defensive grappling-wise, he's not good. He can be taken down. He can be put on bottom. And he's not good at getting up off of his back. So I think Figueredo should be pretty comfortable wherever this fight ends up taking place. The easiest path to victory is to just hit Malcolm Gordon with one punch and to knock him out. But Jerome Rivera is also a pretty fragile opponent. Francisco Figueredo's last opponent. And Figueredo didn't land many strikes on the feet in that fight at all. He was looking to hit takedowns. He had those body lock takedowns that had good success in that fight and was able to stay in top position and that's what he probably does here he probably is just going to take Malcolm Gordon down and out grapple him but it is a bit concerning that Figueredo slowed down in round three of that fight he did lose round three to Jerome Rivera but luckily did enough to secure the first two rounds but you can never really trust the gas tank of Figueredo there isn't really that much footage of the guy only one per UFC fight and we have seen him 15 minutes in the UFC cage but still I think there's still a lot unknown about Figueredo to the point where I'm not willing to trust him at minus 300 
Even though Figueredo is fighting an extremely terrible and fragile fighter in Gordon, it's hard to even fathom a path to victory for Gordon just because he really has no process. He's not good at any aspect of MMA. Maybe he can catch a submission from bottom. Maybe he can land the better strikes over two out of three rounds, but it's hard to have any type of confidence in Malcolm Gordon. And I'm going to pick this one to actually go the distance. I think that Figueredo is going to outgrapple Gordon, not, may, not really take many risks, not look for the finish because he wants to conserve that gas tank of his. And I think that Figueredo will outgrapple Gordon in two out of three rounds minimum for a decision victory here for Figueredo. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Miles Johns as the minus 170 favorites taking on Anderson Dos Santos as the plus 145 underdog. I think this fight is going to be closer than the line indicates. I think the fight will be close no matter where the fight is taking place. I would give Miles John a slight striking advantage just because the guy's been looking like he's improving his boxing. He actually seems to have a skilled lead hand. He can throw a nice jab. He can throw a left hook with that lead hand of his. And I think it's going to be a competitive striking fight on the feet. It's probably going to be the educated lead hand of Miles Johns versus the kind of swarming punch combinations of Anderson Dos Santos. Dos Santos doesn't really have much setup behind his strikes in the feet, but he does swing hard. He does have some decent boxing, and he knows when to pour it on. So I think this is going to be competitive striking exchanges with a slight advantage to Miles Johns. And in the grappling, I give an advantage to Anderson Dos Santos. Miles Johns is not that good of a defensive grappler. We have seen him struggle in the jiu-jitsu aspect of grappling, like in the Cole Smith fight. And I think that if Anderson Dos Santos is the one initiating these grappling exchanges, he has a good chance to take Miles Johns down, to get a back take at some point, to control him on the ground. And Miles Johns isn't that effective of an offensive grappler. I think he's going to struggle taking Dos Santos down. He's going to be at risk for getting choked out or getting reversed at any point if he initiates the grappling here. So if Miles Johns wants to win, he's going to need to keep this fight at distance and outstrike Dos Santos with that lead hand of his, with his boxing. And if Dos Santos wants to win, I think he can win the fight anywhere. I think he can make a close at distance. And I think he does have the grappling advantage, the better jujitsu of the two, the better chance at finishing this fight on the floor with a submission or ground to pound or something. So... This is a tough fight to predict. I think I'm going to go with Miles Johns as my official prediction by decision, but I don't think it's a tough fight to bet. I think the value is all over Anderson Dos Santos here. I think he's worth anywhere from a half unit to a one unit bet, and I think this should be a little bit closer to 60-40. So I think Dos Santos is getting a bit disrespected here, and the value is on Dos Santos here. I likely will end up with a half unit bet on Dos Santos, even though I'm picking Miles Johns by decision as my official pick. The next fight also takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Khalid Taha as the minus 134 favorite, taking on Sergei Morozov as the plus 114 underdog. This seems like a pretty striker versus grappler matchup to me. Even though neither guy is completely one-dimensional, I do think that Taha should win the striking here pretty comfortably, and I think that Morozov should win the grappling pretty comfortably. It's really a matter of who dictates the the space in this fight who gets the fight where they want it to be and I think I trust Morozov a little bit more reliably than Taha. Morozov is a pretty solid grappler he's grappled throughout most of his regional tape in Russia fought really good competition in Russia and I think that Morozov is a pretty consistent wrestler he's good at getting the fight to the cage he's good at getting those back takes and controlling opponents kind of grinding them out and wearing them down against the cage and I think we have seen Khalid Taha suffer to that game plan before most specifically in the Nad Naramani fight we have seen him struggle at times with takedowns of Hayoni Barcelos as well so the tape is there on Taha struggling with defensive grappling, and I think that Morozov is going to defensive or offensive grapple pretty consistently here. The striking will be competitive, but I do give an advantage to Khalid Taha. I think he's got the better boxing, the more power of the two. 
and we have seen Rozov be a bit uncomfortable at times when he gets hit on the feet. So the striking advantage should go to Taha here, the grappling advantage to Morozov, and I'm going to side with Morozov to get this fight in the grappling, to execute his game plan a little bit better, and to win this fight with his grappling and controlling and grinding out Taha against the fence on the ground, maybe getting some dominant positions at times. And I think that Morozov's going to win this fight with his grappling, either by decision or submission. I'm leaning a little bit more towards decision here. So Sergei Morozov is my pick here as the underdog. Haven't decided if I'm going to lock in a bet on him, but I see plus 130 over on Fandle right now. I think that is value at that price. So I'm likely going to end up with a bet on Morozov here on his money line, and I'm picking him to win by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Amanda Limos as the minus 600 favorite, taking on Monsterat Ruiz as the plus 400 underdog. Going into Ruiz's UFC debut, I was very critical of her. I was pretty dismissive of her entire MMA game, didn't think it was going to have much success, and I admitted that I would be very shocked if she was able to defeat Cheyenne Bies, and she actually dominated Cheyenne Bies with that head and arm throw, with the grappling from the scarfold. It was an MMA fight out of 20 years ago, but somehow Monstrat Ruiz was able to get the decision victory uh, comfortably in that fight by just taking down Baez with that head and arm throw and holding her there and I was shocked to see it I could not believe that Cheyenne Baez wasn't able to escape that position but that's really the best that Monstrat Ruiz has is that head and arm throw holding her opponents there maybe getting a quick submission and that will work against the lower level MMA fighters but Amanda Limos is not a low level women's MMA fighter she's actually a pretty skilled and promising fighter on the feet and on the ground I think that Limos should have a massive striking advantage in this fight she's going to be damaging Monstrat Ruiz and the only reason I can think that this won't be a completely one-sided beatdown is that Ruiz is a southpaw, Limos is an orthodox. Most of Limos' success comes from kicking out that leg, damaging the lead leg of her opponents from the orthodox stance, like we saw in the last fight against Livia Souza. But with Ruiz being a southpaw, she's not going to have that outside leg to kick as easily. So I think that Limos might make this fight last a little bit longer on the feet than her last one. But should eventually find a finish somewhere in this fight. I mean, she can knock out Ruiz on the feet. She can submit her on the ground. Limos has good jiu-jitsu skill, good wrestling skill, and if she gets on top, she's the much more damaging fighter, and we should see her probably be able to find a ground and pound TKO, a submission, even a striking knockout. So I think that Limos can finish this fight in any way, and I just think the skill disparity, the athleticism disparity between these two is going to be too much for Monstra Ruiz, and Ruiz is going to get finished here. I'm not quite sure about how... Um, Limos is going to do it, whether it's going to be a knockout or submission. I'm kind of leaning more towards submission. She maybe hurts her with a, a punch on the feet and then finishes it off on the floor with a submission. So I'm going to go with Limos round two submission as my pick. And I do have a bet tracked in this fight. One unit on Amanda Limos's inside the distance line at plus 125 odds. I think that line is still available out there. And I think Limos finishes this fight more often than not. I think she finishes it around 50% while it goes to decision and she wins about 40%. Ruiz's chance in this fight are very low i would cap them at around 10 percent um, so the pick for me is limos submission round two and i'm on her inside the distance betting line the next fight takes place in the welterweight division we have daniel rodriguez as the minus 335 favorite taking on preston parsons as the plus 275 underdog Parsons is coming in here on relatively short notice, had about 10 to 14 days to prepare for this fight, and he has won all of his fights by submission, and most of those submissions are over very low-level opponents who can't grapple very well, and I do think that Parsons is a pretty one-dimensional fighter. He doesn't have terrible striking, he's not a dire striker, but I haven't seen much striking success from him. The only MMA success that I've seen is on the floor, and like I said, not against good opponents. 
all submissions, has never been the distance, hasn't won a fight latent in the fight in a very long time. So it's very hard to trust a guy like that. And I didn't do an extensive tape on the guy. I didn't study him very thoroughly, but I just didn't see anything that I think was going to be successful in this fight. Daniel Rodriguez should be the much better striker of the two, has outstruck, has fought much better opponents, and Rodriguez is a pretty decent defensive grappler as well. Although we haven't seen him against many dedicated wrestlers throughout his MMA career, what we've seen so far in terms of his takedown defense, he is skilled at stopping takedowns. He has a good guillotine choke he can stop an opponent's takedown with. So this should be a pretty one-sided fight for Daniel Rodriguez. He should win the striking pretty emphatically, busting up Parsons on the feet. Might even find a knockout late into the fight, even though he's not the most prolific power puncher. That accumulated damage could add up in rounds two and three. We could see a TKO from Rodriguez on the feet, but Rodriguez's submission line is like 16 or 18 to one last time I checked. I think that that's worth a stab here because we could see Parsons get hurt with the strike, shoot a takedown, get caught in a guillotine. We could see Rodriguez hurt his opponent with a strike and then finish it off with a choke like he's done two times in the UFC, I think. Actually, no, just one time. He did it against Tim Means, hurt him with a punch, and then finished him with a guillotine. So I think the Rodriguez by submission prop is worth a small stab at like 18-1 to 1 if you can still find those good juicy odds. I actually just checked the odds, and the Rodriguez submission is 12-1. to 1, Not quite as high as I thought, but still at 12-1, to 1, I do think it is still worth a stab. And maybe those round two, round three props as well. I see plus 430 for round two, plus 1,000 for round three. Round three especially has a lot of value with Parsons not being tested late in fights, with him being short notice here, and with him likely being at a pretty big skill differential. There's a great chance that he gets finished in these later rounds here. So I think knockout is the most likely, but at 12 to 1, there is some value on the submission prop for Rodriguez. And the official pick will be round re- Rodriguez round two TKO. The next fight is the first fight on the main card and takes place in the featherweight division. We have Gabriel Benitez as the minus 175 favorite taking on Billy Quarantillo as the plus 150 underdog. Pre-fight, I think this line is pretty accurate, mostly because Quarantillo is a bit of a slow starter. We've seen him get hit and hurt a lot in round ones and then kind of wake up as the fight goes. That's kind of Quarantillo's entire fighting style is that he's du- he's tough, he's durable, and he kind of relies on taking a beating early and coming at you. and catching you while you're tired in rounds two and three and putting a pace on you i mean the guy is extremely tough he does have good cardio he does have good output but in terms of defensive striking he is not very good he is quite hittable and as we saw in his last fight against gavin tucker he does specifically struggle against southpaws and gabriel benitez is another southpaw striker with great striking i mean the guy is really fast kicks solid boxing he really is a really underrated striker in the ufc so i think early on especially in round one benitez should be probably finding the mark early and i think he's going to have a lot more initial success in this fight so if you like billy quarantillo here i think the best bet is probably for you to live bet him here you know see how he does after round one see if he's still surviving and not taking too much damage after round one because if he can survive that Gabriel Benitez is a bit untested late in fights recently. I mean, the guy has not won a fight outside of round one in about three and a half years. The last opponent he won a decision over was Jason Knight, not exactly the highest level opponent. So it is possible that if Benitez puts a beating on Quarantillo in round one, maybe the first five or seven minutes, he could slow down in the second half of the fight and Quarantillo could take advantage of that. So 
Getting back to that pre-fight money line, I do think it is a somewhat accurate line, and if there's value in any fighter where it's at now, I think it's on Benitez, because I do expect him to be minus 250, minus 300 just a few minutes into this fight after getting out to an early lead and outstriking Quarantillo early on here. It is possible that he can't keep up that pace, slows down, and loses two out of three rounds, but I think he can keep up that pace. I think he's going to outstrike Quarantillo for the first two rounds. He probably does slow down a little bit and lose round three, but I think he's going to do enough to outstrike Quarantillo for two rounds and win a 29-28 decision here but with the way these guys fight they're both aggressive they're both pretty high output very exciting fighters a finish on either side wouldn't completely shock me I think the most likely finishing outcome is probably an early knockout from Benitez on the feet, but it's not out of the question that Quarantillo digs deep and finds a finish on the ground in the last two rounds. So this should be a fight with a lot of outcomes on the table. It's actually a pretty exciting, fun matchup between two exciting fighters, but I'm going to be siding with Gabriel Benitez to outstrike Quarantillo for two out of three rounds and to win a 29-28 decision here. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Rodolfo Vieira, who is the minus 209 favorite, taking on Dustin Stolfoots, who is the plus 179 underdog. I'm a bit surprised to see this line so short because I could see making the case for Vieira being closer to minus 300 here. And that's not saying that I think Vieira has value on his current line. I'm not saying go out there and bet Rodolfo Vieira because the guy is an extremely flawed fighter. He's very one-dimensional. He doesn't have a good gas tank. He's very hittable on the feet, but Dustin Stolfoots really isn't good at any aspect of MMA. I mean, I was a bit higher on this guy coming into his MMA debut or his UFC debut, but he really underwhelmed me against Kyle Dockhouse. He looked a lot slower on the feet than I'd remembered. His striking was way less effective than it was in the regional scene, and he did show glimpses of effective defensive grappling there. He did stuff a few takedowns. He did escape bottom from time to time. But the difference between Dockhouse and Vieira on the mat is huge. I do not expect Dustin Stolfoots to be able to stop the takedowns of Vieira. And it's extremely likely that Vieira takes him down and puts him in an extremely dominant position within the first two to three minutes of this fight. Now, it is possible that Stolfoots is able to survive that early storm of grappling and to escape those dominant positions like Anthony Hernandez was just able to. But... I think Hernandez is a bit tougher. He's a bit more potent on the feet with his punching. I don't expect Stolfus to have that same type of power and tenacity if this gets at uh, striking range. Hernandez really made that fight count when it was at striking range. He was throwing hard punches, connecting with Vieira, and just didn't let him off the hook. I don't trust Stolfus to come at Vieira that aggressively and that effectively when these guys are striking at range. Stolfoots is not a terrible defensive grappler at all, but I just do not trust him to stuff the takedowns. I don't trust him to survive the dominant positions. I think Vieira will likely have side control, mount, maybe get his back against the cage. And I don't think that Stolfoots has that same type of grit as Anthony Hernandez does to escape those dominant positions and to outstrike Vieira on the feet. So I think if Vieira takes his time a little bit more in this fight, sets up his takedowns, he should get easy takedowns, and he should likely dominate Stolfoots from top position, eventually finding a submission in rounds one or two. And I think some props for this fight that have value is the Vieira knockout prop. It's extremely likely that he submits a Stolfoots on the ground, but it's not completely out of the question that he finds a ground and pound TKO. And if you like Stolfoots here, I would say either wait to live bet his money line after he deals with the first takedown, or just bet him by knockout in rounds two and three, because I don't think he's going to knock out Vieira in the first round. I think the only way he's going to win the fight is survive Vieira 
wait for Vieira to gas out and then finish him in rounds two and three. So maybe Stolfutz round two, round three knockout if you like him here. Uh, but my pick is going to be Vieira's submission round one. I don't think that Stolfutz is going to survive. And I think that Vieira is going to end it pretty quickly with uh, likely an arm triangle about three minutes into round one. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Mateusz Gamrot as the minus 208 favorite, taking on Jeremy Stevens as the plus 178 underdog. Jeremy Stevens is moving up to lightweight again. He used to fight at lightweight way back in the day, but spent the past six or seven years of his career at 145. And this is also the first time that Stevens has fought a southpaw in almost 10 years. I saw that statistic out there on Twitter. It blew my mind because Stevens has fought extremely tough competition throughout the past 10 years. And somehow he hasn't ran into a southpaw in about eight or nine years. So it will be definitely interesting to see how Stevens deals with that southpaw striker for the first time in a long while. Now, getting over to Gamrot, he has really impressed me throughout his career. His KSW footage was very impressive. He did suffer a bit of a setback in his first fight against Gurum uh, Kudaladze, but he bounced back in his last fight against Scott Holtzman very effectively. I mean, the guy can box really well from both stances. He can set up his takedowns really well, and he can wrestle his ass off. I tweeted that earlier today. The guy can wrestle really well. He can hit low single legs, catching you off guard by mixing up his hands and just shooting that really uh, unsuspecting takedown or he also can chain wrestle if he doesn't hit that first takedown attempt the guy can chain together multiple attempts hit all these different type of takedowns and he's not an elite grappler once he gets on top but the way he mixes in his striking his grappling he has a good gas tank he's a very clever fighter and i think he probably has the tools to beat jeremy stevens i think the striking will be competitive between these two because gamrot is a little bit hittable he did get clocked with some pretty hard counters from kudaladze in their fight but when Gamrock gets hit clean, when he's uncomfortable on the feet, he's just going to mix it up with that vast array of takedowns that he can hit. So if Jeremy Stevens is having striking success in this fight, I do expect Gamrock to shoot takedowns and likely to hit those takedowns to kind of relieve some of that striking pressure from Jeremy Stevens. So if Jeremy Stevens wants to win, he's probably going to have to catch Gamrock clean and either rock him or knock him out because I don't see ways that he can win striking minutes with his, with his striking because Gamrock is just going to constantly mix it up with those takedown attempts. One last thing I want to say about this fight is even though Jeremy Stevens hasn't won a fight in a while, he suffered multiple losses in a row, that is to some extremely high competition. I mean, Zabit, Yair, Calvin Cater, he's been running into some of the best fighters at the 145-pound weight class. So I like this move for him up to 155 pounds. I still think the guy's got a good amount left in the tank. I mean, up until that knockout in the Calvin Cater fight, he was looking sharp. He was looking like the best Jeremy Stevens that we've ever seen. So I'm not writing Jeremy Stevens off at all yet. I think the guy can still still have a, a decent career at 155 pounds even though he is very late into his career so don't write Jeremy Stevens off he does have a way to win this fight with his striking and with his power but I think that the different looks of Gamrod on the feet and the wrestling are going to be a little bit too much for him and Gamrod is going to mix in his takedowns very effectively here and win this fight via decision most likely I actually do have a bet tracked on this fight I think it's very unlikely that Gamrod is going to be able to knock Jeremy Stevens out. Stevens is notoriously durable. He's moving up at this weight class, so he has to cut less weight. And Gamrod isn't really that big of a power puncher. So I have a one-unit bet on Gamrod to win by submission or decision. I think the most likely outcome is decision. And I don't think knockout is very likely at all. So I love that line. I have a one-unit bet on Gamrod to win by sub or decision. And my official pick will be by decision. Mateusz Gamrod will win this fight. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Misha Tate as the minus 143 favorite, taking on Marion Renault as the plus 123 underdog. 
This is quite the co-main event the UFC has put on here. We have Marin Renal, who has not won a fight in the past four fights. And we have Misha Tate, who has not fought in four and a half years. Her last fight was in November of 2016. We can speculate all day on why Misha Tate is coming back. I honestly don't think it's for financial purposes. I don't think she needs the money. I think she just has enough free time in her life and actually wants to test her skills. And she did retire at a pretty early age, 29 years old when she retired. But she did have a very deep career. I mean, 25 MMA fights. She was a veteran of the WMMA game. And she started to show some mileage at the end of her career there. In the Amanda Nunes fight, she looked extremely flat and was just beaten everywhere in that fight. You can't take too much away from that fight, though. But in the Raquel Pennington fight, you can really see the mileage adding up. She didn't look as physical. She didn't look as motivated in that fight. When she got hit by Pennington, she wasn't reacting well. She was soundly outboxed in that fight. And Misha was kind of just looking for some desperate takedowns. And that really has been her overall MMA game throughout her career is to hit takedowns and to use her top game to win but she's not that great of a grappler she doesn't go for finishes a lot of her fights come by way of decision so I think for her to win this fight against Marion Renal, she's going to have to hit takedowns and out grapple Renal for two out of three rounds because in terms of striking even though Renal is 44 years old even though she hasn't won a fight in her past four fights I think she's going to be the much more effective striker of the two. I think she throws harder. She's going to connect with her strikes harder. And it's probably still going to be some sloppy competitive exchanges. But I do expect Renal to have the more consistent offense and to land the harder strikes. And you got to take into consider that Renal has actually been winning rounds against UFC Bantamweights, against ranked Bantamweights. You know, she just won a round against Macy Chasson, had a competitive fight. She's having close competitive fights with ranked Bantamweights. And that is so much more than Misha Tate has done over the past four or five years you're really speculating what type of shape Misha Tate is going to be in and when you have to speculate that heavily there is no way I would recommend Land Chalk betting her as a favorite here I think that betting her at minus 140 or anywhere near that is kind of ludicrous so don't mean to offend anybody if anybody has some money on Misha Tate, but I think the value side is all over Mary Renal in this fight. And you can't have extreme confidence in it. You're betting on a 44-year-old woman who hasn't won a fight in her past four fights and who doesn't really have a consistent 15 minutes of cardio. Renal really has like a, a good five minutes, an average 10 minutes, but kind of falls apart in that last five minutes of most of her fights. So you can't really feel confident about having money on Renal here, but I think she's clearly the value side. I would put this fight at exactly 50-50. It's the long layoff and the grappling of Misha Tate versus the more recent activity and the striking of Marin Renal. And I'm going to side with Renal to win this fight. I think that she's going to land more damage on the feet. I think even if she gets taken down, she has a good chance of getting back up to the feet and having the more uh, impactful moments of the rounds for the judges to score. I don't think that Misha Tate's kind of laying Prey grappling style is going to do well with the judges, but it really is a 50-50 type of fight. Either woman could walk away with her hand raised. It is very likely going to a decision, but one prop bet I like for this one, if you have access to the no scorecards bet, Renal no scorecards, I think if anyone is finding a finish in this fight, it does sway more towards Renal. Um, if Tate wins, it's going to be a grappling decision in all likelihood. So Renown, no scorecards and even money. That is worth the bet, in my opinion. And probably so is Renown money line at plus 125. Renown is going to be my pick to win this fight 29-28 via decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division and is the main event of the card. We have Islam Mahachev as the minus 700 favorite, taking on Tiago Moises as the plus 450 underdog. This is a somewhat fun matchup. I like both of these guys. I think they're both good fighters, but unfortunately with the way they match up, I'm not expecting a very exciting fight between these two. 
I'll start by talking about the striking between these guys and I doubt this fight has a whole lot of striking and I think it is hard to predict who's going to be the better striker of the two. I think if we look throughout their UFC careers who has shown the better striking I think it's definitely Tiago Moises. But when it comes to this matchup, I'm not sure that Moises is going to have much striking success here because Islam is such an unorthodox striker. He really likes staying a little bit beyond kicking range. He does not like trading in the pocket at all. So Moises should have a counter punching and boxing advantage in the pocket here, but Islam doesn't spend any time there and it's going to be very hard for Moises to land those counter punches while Islam is barely ever in the pocket at all. So even though on paper Islam is not the better striker than Moises, I think he could have the more effective striking of the two in this matchup just by mixing in his movement, his timing, and kind of staying on the outside and picking Moises apart with that southpaw striking of his. He's actually got a solid jab, a good front kick that he can mix in at times. So I don't expect there to be a whole lot of striking between these two, but when it is striking, I do expect it to be Islam landing one shot, backing away, and it being very difficult for Moises to track him down and actually land those hard shots. And getting over to the grappling, that's where most of this fight should take place. I think we have kind of seen the blueprint laid out on Moises for how to defeat him because he's not that great of a wrestler. Even though he does have a great jiu-jitsu background, very highly credentialed jiu-jitsu skill, he's not a great wrestler. We have seen him out-wrestled by Benil Daryush, by Demir Ismagulov. And I think that we're likely going to see that again here. It's going to be Makachev waiting to get the perfect timing on his takedowns, taking Moises down and staying on top, not really doing too much from top. He doesn't want to risk getting reversed or you know getting caught in a submission. But I don't think anything uh, on in Moises's bottom game is going to surprise Islam. Islam trains with great grapplers, and I don't think he's going to be in any trouble at any time when he's on top. And I think that... Makachev is just going to grind him out with those takedowns over five rounds. We saw Benil Daryush do it, just pressure Moises to the cage, shoot a takedown, and Moises is going to keep trying to get back up. You're just going to keep dragging him back down. Daryush really laid out the game plan on how to defuse a good grappler and a solid counter puncher like Tiago Moises because he doesn't have the best footwork, doesn't have the best ring craft. So if you can get Moises backing up, get him to the cage. He's pretty easy to take down and he's pretty easy to keep down as well. So I think that's what Islam Mahachev is going to do here. I think he's going to slightly edge the striking when it's on the feet just because not much is going to be happening. And I think he's going to win the grappling pretty heavily and likely win this fight pretty dominantly. And I do favor the fight to get into rounds four or five or to go to the decision. So I do have a bet tracked in this fight. That is a two-unit bet on Islam Mahachev in rounds four or five or by decision. We saw in the um, Daryush fight where Moises can get out grappled for 15 minutes. He doesn't really take a huge amount of risks. He's kind of just content to get out grappled and not get finished. And I think that's what we can see here is just five rounds of Islam taking him down, not really doing too much from top, and not really having the most exciting fight with Mahachev out grappling Moises over the five rounds. And my official pick will be Islam Mahachev by 50-45 decision via dominant grappling performance. So it's not going to be the most exciting fight, but I think Mahachev should get it done pretty handedly, and I like my bet on rounds four, five, or decision. So that is going to do it for this podcast. I breezed through all 11 fights in about 30 minutes. Not the greatest card. Actually, a pretty weak card uh, following up that big pay-per-view event. But we got a good fight night next week going down with uh, TJ versus Corey Sanhagen. Should be a great card. And I hope to bounce back from that bad losing week we had last week. So 
Make sure you all check my BetMMA tips page to find my official track bets. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at UFO underscore UFC. And thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoy the fights. Hope you all win some bets. And I'll see you before the next UFC event next week. Peace.